Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Well, good morning. It's good to see you today. I'm glad you're here and want you to take your Bibles to 1 Samuel, if you would please. 1 Samuel chapter number 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. So good to see each of you out here today. I'm excited about what God's doing in our church. The one that was baptized today and be praying, if you would please, for next week. I hope that you'll take advantage of getting with other believers and uh, fellowshipping next Sunday. We have a guest speaker, uh, Josh Tice, a, f- a friend. He pastors in Las Vegas, and uh, he'll be here. He preached here, I believe it was 2016, in uh, January of that year. It was the last time he was here. And uh, I know you'll enjoy him. Bring someone, a guest, and uh, I know that you'll enjoy the service. One service next week. I know we just got out of Missions Emphasis Month and and had a service every week, and and um, we just uh, keep mixing things up on you. I, I'm sorry. I'm not really sorry, um, but uh, I'm glad uh, that you'll be here, and I hope you'll bring a guest. It'll be a great day of fellowship, 10 o'clock next Sunday, one service, and then uh, tomorrow, uh, next Sunday evening, we'll have fellowship and homes, so please sign up. I know there's a lot of folks that um, are desiring that, that small, intimate group of friends. And maybe, maybe you have that and um, you're not needing those fellowships, <laughs> but uh, someone does. And um, so I want to encourage you, be a friend and come look for someone uh, to, to be a friend to, and also come looking for a friend. And uh, we designed those on purpose, just small groups in homes and um, just for the fellowship that you have and the challenge and make new friends and be encouraged. First Samuel chapter 17, it's a familiar passage of scripture, and uh, it's a battle that took place in the Valley of Elah. We uh, took a trip to Israel, and I wish I could take the entire tr- uh, church on a, uh, on a trip. I've learned that there's a better way to fly. It's called cruising. My wife and I were away last week. We went away for an anniversary, and uh, I took her on a on a cruise ship, and it was incredible. And uh, I don't think we should make airplanes anymore. I think we should just cruise everywhere. Um, and so I found out there's a Holy Day trip, the Holy Lands trip on a cruise boat. It's 12 days. And I said to my wife, I think we ought to do that instead of a bus. I'm not sure how you get around Israel in a cruise boat, though. That's, that's a little odd to me. I don't think they fit in the Jordan River, but... Um, um, but uh, We took, I wish I could take the entire church to Israel for several reasons. One is just to see the things that you read about in the Bible. It just, it makes the Bible make sense. The story of En Gedi, when David is running from Saul and he comes into the, to to En Gedi. And uh, there in the desert area of En Gedi, there's, there's a waterfall, right? I mean, you're driving through the desert. It's nothing but just dry desert. And you come to a place, a a garden area, 
and there's this beautiful waterfall. And in these waterfalls, you see mountains on both sides and a waterfall in between. And in these mountains, you'll find caves. And these caves, we read where David would would hide as he's hiding from Saul. Saul would uh, be in those caves and David came out while Saul was sleeping and he cut the garment off of Saul. And the Bible says this, that after Saul got up that next morning and went an hour's journey, specifically says an hour's journey. And I've always read that in the Bible. And I thought to myself, how do you go an hour's journey? And then David comes out of the cave and calls out to Saul Saul turns around and hears David after walking an hour and recognizes David's voice and they have this conversation. I mean, even if you're the slowest of walkers, and we took a few of those to Israel with us, (laughs) you still go far in an hour. And I believe the word of God. I believe it because the Bible says it, but it didn't make sense to me until I stood there in En Gedi And on this top of the mountain range, and on this top of the mountain range, which is about as wide as this auditorium, it takes about a 55-minute walk to go from the caves on this side, down through the valley, up through the other side. And literally, you could be as wide as the auditorium apart and be an hour apart from each other. And just to see that, it makes the Bible come alive. I could imagine David at one of the caves on this mountain, Saul on the top of this mountain, just again, just as wide as this auditorium is apart, having a conversation where your voice just carries over that mountain through that valley and having this conversation. I sat there and as I saw that, I just said, God, your word is so true. It's so powerful. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, we read of a story of of David and Goliath. Have you ever heard the story of David and Goliath? Well, I stood, stood in the valley of Elah twice now and uh, went to the brook and uh, took a stone out of the brook and, and uh, just imagined this, this landscape, stood at this landscape. I found a rock that had some red on it. I'm not sure if that, uh, some of you will get that later. <clears throat> um, as you stand there and you imagine this, see this landscape, these valleys, the, the mountains where the Philistines would have been and where the Israelites' armies would have been, and in the valley of Elah that's, that was there, there, there is now a road that goes through there, and the, the, the brook is still there. The, the fields are still there. And as you stand there, you just think of what happened in Israel on that on that day that David came and heard this, this Goliath, this, this, this uh, giant call out and curse the God of Israel. It's not just the story of a young boy that um, put a rock in a sling and, and killed someone that day. It's a story of God getting glory from someone that was willing to be used of God. Oftentimes we put a lot of emphasis on Goliath, this giant, this this massive man that all of Israel was afraid of. But we really need to put the emphasis not even on David, but on God, where God got glory by using a, a boy that nobody else thought could do this. I want you to go with me, if you would, chapter 17, 
in verse number four, and I'm going to, I'm going to be a couple different places. So follow along with me in chapter 17. We find this is after verse 16, where David is anointed to be king. Now, what's interesting is this, David's brothers in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, uh, uh, Samuel comes and visits each of his brothers, all seven of them, David's the eighth, the youngest brother, in their home, and he's there on purpose to anoint one of these men to be the next king of Israel. It wasn't a secret. It's not like he was there, he anointed him, and nobody knew why he was there. David's family understood why Samuel was there. He told them why. God said to Samuel that Saul no longer uh, is going to be king to, to go anoint one. He goes to the house of Jesse. Jesse, the Bible says in chapter 17, is an older man and well-known and uh, a wise man there in, in Israel, in Bethlehem, Judea. <clears throat> and so Samuel comes to this house. He has these seven older brothers, David does, and he goes one by one and uh, presents each of these brothers to Samuel. Samuel gets to the second to the last and says, you know, I've seen seven of them. Do you have another son? Almost like this, God, did you send me to the right place? Is this it? Because these seven boys you've just brought before me, you're not telling me any of them are the one. And Jesse says, I do have a young son. And when he says it, I, 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 I imagine Jesse, he didn't even bring David into the house. And when he says to Samuel, I do have another son, but kind of like, if these seven aren't good enough, this guy's not going to be either. So we left him out there to, to work in the field, to care for the sheep. And David comes in and Samuel sees him and God says, that's the one. And he's anointed to become king of Israel there in front of his family. The very next chapter that we read about, Saul is taking the armies of Israel and David's three older brothers are taking to that army as well. And they're, they're standing in the Valley of Elah in the trenches there, the Bible says, and there's a battle is going to array the Philistines versus the Israelites. And David is sent to go to this battle uh, to uh, just see how his brothers are doing. Look with me in verse number four. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. He had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of, uh, graves of brass upon his legs and target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. In one bearing, a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Now look, li listen to what Goliath says. Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine and you servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants but if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall you be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all of Israel heard those words of the Philistines, they were dismayed, greatly afraid. 
Now, David was the son of the Riphite of Bethlehem, Judea, whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons and the man was among men for an old man in the days of Saul. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to battle. Go down with me, if you would, please, to verse number 17. In verse number 16, the Philistines drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. So for 40 days, this, this Philistine, Goliath, would come and say the same things over and over, challenging the men of Israel, send you someone to come and fight, and if you win, we'll serve you. But if I win, you're going to serve us. For 40 days, this is happening. And for 40 days, as this is happening, the Israelites, when they hear this man, they run in fear. They hide. Jesse, in verse number 17, sends David, his son, the, the youngest. Now take for thy brother an ephah of this parched corn and take uh, these 10 loaves and run to the camp to thy brother and carry these 10 cheeses unto the captain of the, their thousand and look how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hands of a keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. In verse number 23, he talks with his brethren. And as he's talking with his brethren for 40 days previously, now here comes Goliath again, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, but something was different this time. The difference with now between the last 40, 40 days is this simple, this simple phrase that is said in the end of verse number 23, and that is this, and David heard them. And David heard them. I want you to just mark that in your Bible. David heard them. There's a difference that took place. The words were the same. The place was the same. The armies were the same. The kings were the same. The, the warriors were all the same. Everything for the last 40 days was the same. It's like you could script it. Here comes Goliath in the morning and here he comes in the evening saying the same thing. And this is what the battle, this is what the, the Israelites do. When they see him, they, they run. They, they get all worked up for the battle and then Goliath comes out and they say this, there's no one that's going to win. But there's a, there's a difference here and that is this, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up surely to defy Israel as he come up? And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. That's a pretty good reward. You get the king's daughter, you get the king's wealth and your, your family lives free in Israel. Yet for 40 days, no one would take advantage of this very, very great offer 
that the king Saul was making to any man that would fight. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And so they said to David, This is what King Saul will give you, his daughter, his riches. Your father will be free in all of Israel. And Eliab, the eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left these few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? You know, as I read this, passage of scripture and come to this verse, you know what I find? And I find this is always true. Whenever someone's going to stand up for the Lord and stand up for right, there's going to be people that are going to bring opposition to him that are supposedly even on the same side. This wasn't one of the Philistines that said to David, what are you doing? You're proud, you're naughty, you're, you're, just, you're just trying to get attention, you're, you're here for the wrong reason. This is one of the men, this, and, and it's not even only one of the soldiers, it's David's brother that saw him in the previous chapter anointed to be king of Israel. You know what I find? Whenever you're going to stand for right, you're going to face opposition, you're not only going to face opposition from the Philistines or from Goliath or from what seems to be the, the enemy that is unbeatable. You're going to face opposition from even people that ought to be on your side supporting the cause that you're going to do. Why wouldn't his brother say to David, David, you're here, and as your older brother, I, 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 I want to I free our family from, from living uh, with, with taxes here. Uh, there's so much I could do for our family. We could take the wealth. We could be married to the king. This is what I'm going to do. My little brother of, of seven brothers below him. So, I mean, much, much older than David. Instead of being the leader in his family that he should have been, He's discouraging David from being the leader that his brother should have been. Now stay with me. David says this, what have I now done? And you know this phrase, is there not a cause? And what is David saying? He says, point out to me, you're blaming me for something and I've only done right. You know what his brother would have rather him do? Be quiet. Go back to the sheep. Go back to, to, to where, where it doesn't really matter. But David looks out and says, there's this Philistine, there's this giant that is, is uh, uh, defying the armies of the living God. He's coming out here and he's mocking 
There's only one God, and we are his army. We are his people. And when the Philistine makes fun of us, he's making fun of God. When he says that you're powerless, he's saying that your God is powerless. When he says that you're going to be the one killed, what he's saying is this, our God is greater than your God. And David says to his brother, isn't there a cause for someone to stand up? This isn't David saying, isn't there a cause for some man to become rich and marry the king's daughter or or have his family be free? What he's saying is this, God is being mocked. Isn't that a good enough reason? When, when, When some man that is mocking God and God, what he's blessed and what he's put his hand on and what he's put his name on, isn't that enough? Isn't there a cause? And he, re- and he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And what, it, what, it, what it simply this saying, the Bible says, so David turns to someone else and he's trying to get their attention. He's asked this question a few times here in these, these verses. He's talking to people saying, don't you see this? Don't you understand And so in verse number 31 and verse number 32, David is brought to Saul. And David said to Saul, now David, the young young man that no one thought would be king, the one that that his older brother said, you're just being proud and you need to go back and and just be by yourself and take care of kind of like just, just, you're nothing, you're a nobody, just go back and be quiet and let the men handle this problem. They bring him before Saul. And this is David's advice to the Saul. This is where the king, he's in charge. He's responsible. But David now is giving advice to the king. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, you're not able to go. You're a youth. And this man of war from his youth what is he saying? You can't, you can't go fight. You're a nobody. And this guy that wants to fight, he's been a warrior since he's been your age. And David said unto, the, unto, unto Saul, King Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And when I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth, and when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. I, I love David's attitude. He's not seeing this guy as a challenge. He says that the lion and the bear that I already killed, that's about the same ranking that I put this man, Goliath. I'm going to go grab him by the beard. I'm going to kill him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. Verse number 37, and David said, moreover, this is, this is where David gives credit to the Lord. This is not a proud, haughty young boy that has no idea about life. 
this is a young man that's been anointed king that believes that his God is a big God. He says this, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine and Saul, son of David, go. And the Lord be with thee. There's a battle that takes place here. And the problem is there's a man by the name of Goliath that is coming out before God's people And for 40 days, this man, Goliath, is just mocking God, mocking God's people, and putting God's people into fear. But the problem isn't with Goliath. Because the reality is this, church, there's always going to be those big giants in our world and our generation or life that mocks God. There always have been there, and they're always going to be there until Jesus Christ returns. There's always going to be something that is just mocking those that believe in God. And it seems like the world that we're living in, it seems like it's getting worse and worse. And I don't know if it's getting worse, or I don't know if it's just the fact that we have opportunity 24 hours a day, seven days a week because of technology for it to be screaming in our face. And and maybe both. But there's a, there's a Goliath, there's a giant that is, that is constantly attacking the church. And much of the time that I see in this chapter, I can compare it to what we see in this generation with Christians today, with the church today. There are those that are like Goliath, the enemies of God, that is paralyzing the people of God. And we're standing there and no one is doing anything but talking. Everybody in Israel knew what the problem was. The problem was not Goliath. The problem was there was no one that would stand up against Goliath. Don't, 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 don't miss this. The problem was not Goliath. The problem was that no one would stand up against Goliath. The problem was this. No one had enough faith in their God that God would deliver them from the enemy. Now, they all got around because David is talking, and they're all talking about, boy, if somebody would just stand up. Saul in his tent is talking about, boy, if I could just get someone to stand up in Israel. Matter of fact, I'll offer them my daughter. Don't you think she would want to say in that? (laughs) I'll offer him my daughter. I'll offer him my riches. I'll let his father's land be free in Israel. So no taxes for his father. And he still couldn't get anyone to come fight this, this Philistine. And for 40 days, this Philistine would come and defy the armies of the living God, defy God and defy his people in, 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 put him down. And no one, no one stood up and said, you're not going to talk about God that way. Now they all stood together and said, who's going to stand up and say, he can't do that. Can you believe this Philistine is doing what he's doing? Can you believe he's saying what he's saying? 
Can you believe that he's coming out for 40 days and he's saying this? Who's going to stand against him? And the conversation shouldn't have been, can you believe Goliath is doing this? The conversation should have been, can you believe there's not one of us that is godly enough and strong enough and faith-filled enough that we are going to stand and represent God before this uncircumcised Philistine? Until David comes. And David comes on scene. And David hears the same thing. And this is what changed this entire battle. Verse number 23, just four simple words. And David heard them. And David heard them. Someone that had faith in God. Now we find that David, he hears them. What is so remarkable about David? Not the fact that David was anointed king. Not the fact that David killed a lion and killed a bear. That's not what's so remarkable about David. What is so remarkable about David is this, his attitude toward God. And that is this in verse number 37, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistines. It is God. David was not saying, that I'm, I'm someone, you know what? I've got a lot of talent here because I know how to kill a lion and I, I know how to kill a bear and I have fought. I am a great warrior. He's not saying I'm a better warrior than anyone here. David's not saying I'm a better warrior than Goliath. What he's saying is this, my God is a greater warrior than Goliath. My God is a greater God than the gods of the Philistines. The people of God have more power because of who their God is than the people that are worshiping false gods. And shouldn't someone stand up and represent God when a world is calling God nothing more than something compared to other gods? This is, this is what this story is really all about. It's about the people of God doing nothing when God is being mocked and God is being defied. It's about the people of God standing scared, hopeless, because there's one that his name is Goliath who's got a big mouth and he's really, really tall. And I want you to see in this passage of Scripture, verse number 33, this conversation that happens between Saul and David, Saul says this, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. You know what the, the, the problem here in Israel? The problem here in Israel is not that there's a man named Goliath. The problem here in Israel is that King Saul was not able to recruit someone to go fight this man, Goliath. The problem was this. The people were in fear. The people were paralyzed. These people, they lacked God's blessing because they were not willing to step out by faith and let God work. And hear me, you write this down someplace in your heart. When you will lack God's blessing, when you lack faith to prove that God is the God of this universe. 
David was not looking at Goliath in, in his pride, in his haughtiness, saying, I think I could beat this guy. David is looking at what Goliath is saying, saying this, I believe that God will give me strength to stand against this man. I believe that God is worthy. I believe that God is holy. I believe that God is just. I don't believe that this man ought to come out and defy God and talk about God and, and put God down. Someone has to stand up. And if, I, if it's me, then I'll, I'm willing to stand. And Saul says this, you can't do this. You're just, you're just too small. Sometimes we feel like we're too small. Sometimes those around us will tell us that our voice is too small. Sometimes those around us will tell us that our position is too small. But David's position, although he stood alone, although he was young, although he shouldn't have been in that battle, his position was that God is worthy. So therefore, his position was the right position to stand upon. Sometimes, church, I believe this, the world causes us, and as we stand upon the word of God, it, it causes us sometimes to think this. We're just too small in numbers. There's nothing that we can do. And this is a paralyzing place that the enemy wanted Israel to get to, is we can't do anything about the situation hopelessness, despair. Have you ever been there? Where you feel like this, this, this is just too big? There, there's no way to face this battle. It's just too big. Well, I would say this. This is why God chose this man, David. Not because David had killed a lion before. Not because he killed a bear before. Because the reality is this. He's going, he's, he's with these men of great war. His brothers have been in war before. These others have been in war. They've killed before. They've had victories in war before. This is not a bunch of young men going to war that have never been to war before. David is in the middle of a bunch of men that have been in war before, that have, have gone to war, that have been involved in war, that have, have seen war, have killed before, and this problem is so big, it's paralyzing them. And it's God saying this, I am going to use the weakest to show that I'm the strongest. You see, someone here could have gone out that had killed many of men before and could have gone out in his own strength and his own power and done this thing and became well-known in Israel and became uh, rich in Israel and his father would have been free and he would have married the king's daughter, but he would have taken all the glory. He would have taken all the fame. He would have taken all the power, but God was looking for a man that was willing to give God all the glory. And sometimes we are put in places, and let's just be specific. Right now, our generation is put in things in this world that are just pressing against us, pressing against our families. And we're living in a world that if the Bible says it's true, the world is saying it's not true. 
We're living, we're preaching for, for almost eight years now. I've preached on the value of the home and the value of the family and the value of a husband and wife and raising godly children and, 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 and all what the Bible has to say about that. And the, and the world is pushing against that, saying this, you don't need a husband that is right with God in the home. Matter of fact, you don't even need a husband in the home. You, 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 you can raise children the way you want to raise children. You don't need God's plan. You just do it your way. And listen to me, how is it turning out for this world? God has a design for what he desires his people to represent and be. And this world is pressing against us. Goliath is coming out and he's saying, your God is nothing. Your way of living is nothing. You will be our servants. Goliath did not believe that there was a man in Israel that could come and could fight him and win. If Goliath believed that, he would not have been out in the Valley of Elah challenging a man. When someone comes out and challenges, he's challenging them because he believes he's the greatest. He believes there's no one that could beat him. And that's why he's making this challenge. Goliath truly believed the God of Israel was nothing. Because if he thought the God of Israel was true, he'd be on the other side. What he's trying to do is get Israel to believe that their God is nothing. When they say this, you're going to be our servants, it isn't you're going to come and live how you want to live just underneath us. No, what we want you to start to do is worship our gods. You will become us. When, when, when Babylon came in and took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and took Daniel and took all of the other uh, young men out of, out of Israel and brought them to Babylon, do you understand what king, uh, the king did, Nebuchadnezzar? The first thing he did was this, we're going to indoctrinate you. You're going to eat what we want to eat. You're going to learn what we want you to learn. What was he trying to do? He was trying to get them to stop believing everything that they were taught as children. Stop believing in the Jewish law. Stop believing in the Jewish God. Stop believing in the things that your parents raised you to do. And start believing like a Babylonian believes. You can worship who you want to worship. You can be who you want to be. And we'll tell you what to do. And they brought them to Babylon and... There were just these four, Daniel. Daniel said this, I'm not going to defy myself. I'm not going to eat of the king's portion. I'm not going to learn what the king wants me to learn. I'm going to stand for God. I'm going to pray to God. You can put me in a lion's den, but I'm going to pray to the one God that I know is true. I don't want to pray to your gods because your gods are nothing. You're not going to get me to believe that your gods are better than the one true God, the God of this universe, the creator of this universe, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You won't get me to believe that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what were they told to do? You are going to, when you hear the trumpet sound, you're going to bow down to this God. What is that representing? That this God is greater than your God. 
And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood and said, I will not bow down to that God. He said, let me tell you one more time. I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm going to blow the trumpets again, and you're going to bow. And they said, oh, king, we're not going to bow. We are not going to, to bow to that, that golden statue because our God will deliver us. And if he chooses not to deliver us, still let it be known that our God is greater than your God. Our God is greater than that golden image. Our God is greater than the king uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Our God is the one true God. They would not bow. They would continue to defy the gods of this world and stand for the one true God. That's what the Philistines, they wanted Israel. Stop worshiping your God. Stop praying in Jesus' name. Stop saying that there's only one way to heaven. Stop saying that, that, that living wicked, defiled lives is sin. Stop using the word sin. Sin, sin is, is, is your opinion. No, sin is God's opinion. Stop trying to, stop trying to, to put these old ancient rules on us today. It's not us putting these old ancient rules. It's God. The problem was this. The king wasn't able to recruit people to fight. The king wouldn't do it himself. And the king wasn't able to get others to help. Let me ask you this question today. What is worth fighting for in your life? If somebody comes into my house in the middle of the night and tries to hurt my family, I really believe, I really believe that I'd give my life for my family. I really believe that. I really believe it'd be a fight to death. One of us would be going out in a body bag and I'd do everything I could to ensure it wasn't me. Because my family is worth defending. How about your God? Are you willing to stand in a wicked generation for your God? When you see what's happening all around us, are you willing to stand? You know what I'm afraid? There's too many Christians that are just simply, they're okay being quiet. I have an opinion, but I'm not going to share it. David had an opinion about his God. You know what David said? I'm going to share it. And you see throughout this passage of scripture, he shared it with groups of people. He, it's like David hears this and says, did you just hear what he said? I know he's been saying it for 40 days, David. Then why don't you do something about it? Eliab, Eliab comes over. Have you heard? Yeah, he's been saying it for 40 days, David. Just mind your own business. Then why aren't you doing something about it? And then he gets this other group of people. Have you heard what he's saying? He gets all the way to Saul and says, have you heard what he's saying? And Saul says, I know. I can't get anyone to do anything about it. And David says, I will. I will. You can't. You're too small. You see, the reason why he thought David was too small is because God was too small in his eyes. 
If God was big in the eyes of Saul, then Saul would have gone out with the same power and the same might that David did, and he would have had a great victory that day. It wasn't about Saul being king and Saul being stronger. It wasn't about David being young and not having enough. It's about faith, believing that God can do the impossible. And I believe that God can do the impossible. We're always going to have Goliaths in this world. We're always going to have those that stand against this world. But are we going to have those that stand up and say, you're not going to defile the living God? I I, I get so tired of people saying it's impossible. I, I had someone say this. I don't think I'm going to have children because raising children in this generation just seems too difficult and hard. And I look at them and I think to myself, you're crazy. You know what the fact is? Yes, it is hard raising children in this generation. And if you try to raise them in your strength and in your power, you're going to fail. But what better way to show that your God is powerful? What better way to show that your God is great? What better way to show that your God is supreme? What better way to say to show the world that your God is the God of all gods, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, than to have children in this generation when the world is trying to indoctrinate them and you raise godly children that love the Lord and live for the Lord and have a testimony of the Lord and have faith for the Lord that will walk out and do something big for God. Why can't we have that kind of faith that God can raise children through you to serve him? I don't want to run. I've people say, oh, it's so hard. It's so hard being a man in this generation. It's because you're trying to do it in your own strength. Boy, all of this temptation everywhere. Well, why don't you just follow God? You know, it is. Pornography is everywhere. Sin is everywhere. Temptation is anywhere, everywhere. It, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing that if we show this generation that you can be a godly husband in a generation that's trying to get you not to be a godly husband? I mean, you look at every single show that still have a dad and a mom in the home, and it shows that the dad is just a big buffoon. It's almost like the dad just gets in the way all the time. He's the one that mom has to babysit. I mean, society is portraying that the man in the home is needless. He gets in the way and he doesn't belong. Wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be even greater if the people of God actually said, I'm going to be the man of God that God has called me to be. I'm going to raise my family and then in the, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, I'm going to be a godly husband. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to lead, lead the, my family under the, the, the Lord and show them the right way. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if dads actually got up on Sundays and said, I don't care what you're saying. We're going to church. Amen. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if it was dads praying with their children. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if it was dads having family devotions with their wives? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if it was dads having spiritual uh, influence in their home instead of moms having to do it all? It'd be a wonderful thing for dads to say we're going to church instead of, well, the kids, if you like it, I guess I'll take you. We need Davids in the home. Stop blaming this world. Stop blaming Goliath because of how big he is and start being a David and say this, I'm going to stand. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. 
If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.